Good evening, everyone. We are live. I'm here with my colleague, Stefan Bublo. And tonight, guys, we're going to be doing a bit of a real estate masterclass, going through all the lingo, the dialogue, basically all the words you hear real estate agents using go, what does that actually mean? We're going to be unpacking that all tonight. Good evening, Steph. Hey, Michael. Good to see you again. It's been a while since uh, we've been on Novak News Monday night. Obviously, back by popular demand, as exactly. always. As so voted by the people. That's right. For the people. <laughs> for the people. And tonight, we, we've got something we take for granted is the language that we use every single day. Um, but we forget from time to time that, you know, most people are not transacting in the world of real estate like we are. Mm. Um, so we've got to be careful with the words we're using to try to help, you know, everybody out there understand what we mean. 100%. So tonight we're going to unpack a few of those words. Guys, I'll open up the comments as well. If anyone has any questions tonight as well as we're going through about a particular word that we haven't mentioned, please feel free to put it in there as well. Happy to unpack that also. Definitely, definitely. So if you've been attending any one of our properties, our open homes, you might have seen, um, that's probably come up backwards. <laughs> um, it's the guide to real estate terms. We have this little black book available at all of our open homes. Um, I wish the little black book had uh, maybe phone numbers in there, but we're well, I'm a married man, Michael, and you're soon to be married. So it's <laughs> probably better that it's full of words. Exactly. But um, today we're going to talk about a few other things like Michael mentioned that we talk about day yeah. to day. So with some of these terms here as well, guys, so I guess when you're buying a property and when you're looking to sell or buy a property, there's, I think, a pit full of words that you're just not used to that you don't see every day. And for people that experience property buyers or sellers, you've come across it a few times. But like Stevan said, I think for a lot of people out there, you don't transfer transact property that often. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's good to be able to go through, run through some of these things as well that, yeah, hopefully it'd be a bit of a refresher course for yeah. everyone. Look, and I think let's let's kind of maybe talk about it um, once you've had an offer accepted mm -hmm. um, or putting in an offer. Mm -hmm. An agent will say put in an offer and uh, I will start off, I will kick off with the terms uh, conditional or an unconditional exchange. Michael, that's tell us what a conditional exchange is. That's a very good one, yeah. So with an offer, as an offer maker, you can either do unconditional or conditional. Um, what a conditional exchange is, it means that if your offer is being accepted, it means that you can go sign a contract, you can go put down a 0.25% deposit, and you've got a five business day cooling off period to sort through all the conditions of the sale for you, which might be all your due diligence, sorting out your finance, sorting out uh, strata or, or looking at building and pest inspections, um, going through the contract. It's conditional on all those things. So you need to go through and make sure you've had all your due diligence done before you go what's called unconditional. Excellent. And unconditional means obviously everything's done and the sale is finalised um, through here. Now, uh, I guess let's just jump back into it. We're going to throw some terms out there. I'm going to randomly go through the book and I'm going to find some words and... and and in, uh, in the meantime, actually, so we've got a great question here from Oliver. So Oliver said, are you finding buyers asking to disclose range on agency agreements? Great question, Oliver. Um, so with buyers in terms of, as an agent, when we're obviously selling a property, we can either have a guide price on a property, we can have an asking price on a property or an auction guide. 
Um, when buyers are asking in terms of disclosing an agency agreement, it's up to, I guess, the vendor's discretion if they do want to be putting forward a price guide or not and having the agent disclose that to everyone also. Sometimes we do just furnish buyers with comparable sales, or if not, when we do have a set, have a guide set, that is within the parameters of an agency agreement. Yeah, it's a good question. I personally generally don't disclose what's on my agency agreement. That's a, a that's a confidential, uh, you know, agreement between myself and my seller. Um, but we will try to guide you the best we can with, with what's in the marketplace um, as well. But good Correct. question. Great, great question. That's why we set that guide obviously appropriately from that. And then on top of that, obviously, um, give you guys comparable sales as well. Yep. Excellent. All right, term number one for today. All right, term number one that we're going to go to is, uh, well, I'm going to start off with a good one for you, Michael. <laughs> um, bridging finance. Bridging finance. Do you know bridging finance is? I think so. <laughs> so guys, bridging finance is a big one, actually a big one for a lot of people at the moment now in terms of if you're looking to go buy and sell a property in the same market, if you want to secure a property before you sell and you go out and buy something, you'd definitely be talking to your broker regarding bridging finance. And pretty much what that means is if you go and buy a property and you need to sell your property to be able to complete or settle on that bought property, you might need bridging finance if you happen to sell your property a little bit at a later date and that settlement takes place after the settlement date of your purchase, you need to make up that shortfall in the meantime and that's when you take on bridging finance yeah. from the bank. Bridging finance, uh, it's typically a small loan if you like to put it, that coincides between you um, signing a, or buying a property and actually having the correct funds uh, ready to go ahead. So it's like a short-term uh, loan to help gap. Pretty much. Bridge. Yeah, exactly. Bridge the gap when when you're waiting to settle on a property and you've got to settle on your own first. Absolutely, absolutely. Next I'm one. Trying to, I'm trying to find a real fun one here. That's all right. Um, what's something that we hear a lot of people ask about is, ooh, the G word, gazumping. 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 Another good real estate word. So, that's <laughs> very true, actually, because a lot of well, buyers, I think there's a lot of misconception out there regarding gazumping. So, to give you guys, put very simply, um, as a definition of gazumping, gazumping is when you've had offer and acceptance on a property, you as the buyer have done absolutely everything in your power to be able to buy that property, aka you provided the agent with a signed contract, deposit, a 66W, it's all sitting with the solicitors, all sitting with the agent ready to exchange, and then all of a sudden you find out before you've even had the chance to potentially renegotiate that they've sold it to someone else. That's gazumping. Now, a lot of people I think have the misconception that sometimes if your offer is accepted on a property, maybe verbally, and the the buyer, sorry, the vendor goes, "Hey, I'm happy to go ahead with your offer," and then you're doing your due diligence, and then someone else puts forward another offer in the meantime for exchanging. Unfortunately, the vendor has every right still to look at that offer. Um, but I guess, and that's where it gets a bit tricky because gazumping is pretty much where you're not doing that due diligence phase. You're right at the very end. You've done everything you can. You're waiting for that exchange, and that's where the agent's done the wrong thing and sold it to someone else without even telling you. Yeah, cool, cool. Because I'm thinking, in my opinion, is basically if you've had, like Michael said, yeah. you've put an offer in, um, it's perhaps been accepted and somebody else is coming with a higher offer, you have not had a chance to come back or match or meet yeah. or, or go, you know, and the property's sold without giving you, you know, a fair opportunity to buy a property. Exactly. Um, but just be aware, until you sign that contract, until you've paid a deposit um, and the seller has also signed and, and the contracts are dated, um, there is no legally binding agreement. 
create um, contractually in the world of real estate. I think that leads on to another word, which, no, sure is, anything, which is exchange. Ooh. So what's exchange? What does it mean when an agent says, okay, we're looking to exchange contracts? Because as a buyer, I know, is it sold? Have I bought? What, what does exchange yep. mean? Two forms of exchange, again, uh, an unconditional or a conditional exchange. An exchange is basically um, a process where a contract is deemed legally binding. Okay, conditional or unconditional means that that agreement of a binding contract has got some terms to it. Mm. Now, what what constitutes an exchange contract is actually a few different things. Mm. Um, you need to have a contract signed by a buyer um, or buying parties. Uh, you also would need to have some form of a deposit mm. paid um, from a buyer um, along with their contract. You need to have a contract signed by the sellers or the vendors, um, and those contracts both need to be identical. Uh, and will both need to be dated by uh, by one party, usually the solicitor, conveyancer, or the agent mm. to handle it. Unless you've got a signed contract from a buyer, signed contract from a seller, a date and a, a deposit of some form, you cannot have a legally binding agreement. And that's um, an so exchange. An exchange contract is something is is something that meets all those four four four. Four points? Four yeah. points. <laughs> all come together. Wrong with four. Michael, anything, any, you test me on some. Don't pick a hard one. That's all right. Let's go with the next one. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'll keep it simple. We're following on from exchange. Settlement. Settlement. Settlement's a good one. Um, settlement is actually the date at which you take ownership. So that's when the property transfers from one owner to, to the buyer um, and changes hands. So that's, that's deemed a settlement. Um, it is traditionally capped at six weeks, 42 days is the standard on front of our New South Wales contracts. However, it can be anything, it can be shorter, can be longer, depending on what's required and what's negotiated. Um, but essentially settlement is the date in which a property changes hands from a vendor uh, to a purchaser. Mm, that's a good one. Easy and then, one. easy one, sorry. I've got another easy one, but it's one I wanna bring up as well, cause it's funny how common it is, yet how sometimes mistaken it is as well, people don't take it into account when they buy a property, is stamp duty. Ooh, stamp duty. So with stamp duty, the amount of times that I've spoke with buyers that, and as a buyer, you're not expected to know all this, by the way. You, if you haven't had experience with it, that's why you should have a good agent, um, a good broker, a good conveyancer, all guiding you through all this and understanding all these words. But it's funny the amount of times I've actually spoken to buyers that are looking to purchase um, and they've got, I've got X amount in the bank saved up so I know I can buy this sort of property, this is what my loan's approved for. And they haven't factored in that they've got to actually fork out stamp duty. quite a bit of money for stamp duty. And then we get all the way down the track to offer an acceptance. And just before we're looking to exchange or go unconditional, they go, oh, my broker didn't tell me I actually need to take this money out now for stamp duty. Yeah. Um, so that's a big thing. So stamp duty, guys, is pretty much the tax you pay to the government when you're looking to purchase a property. Um, as a rule of thumb, it's give or take 4% of your property purchase price. Not exactly, but as a rough when you're working on rough numbers, when you're working it out. Um, so for example, for a million dollar property, you've got to pay about $40,000. Yeah. And that's for a standard settlement, let's say six weeks, is normally due around settlement time. Okay, property. that's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. It is. Um, while we're talking about settlements and contracts, another thing that people ask us about is, should I use a solicitor or should I use a conveyancer? Mm -hmm. Or what is a conveyancer and what is a solicitor? Yes. Um, essentially guys, they are the, the legal components that handle the contracts. Um, a conveyancer is somebody that just specialises purely in what we call com conveyancing, and that is the practice of, of uh, executing, I guess, the legal side of, of a real estate transaction. Um, a solicitor is somebody who's gone to 
I think they've studied law at university and they've got a legal degree, a conveyance through somebody just purely specialises in the transaction of property. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, they both will do a great job for you. Yeah, the rule of thumb is a conveyance is great for a straightforward transaction purely to do with the property. Um, a solicitor's normally or a lawyer's good if you've got something maybe a little bit more complex, maybe a deceased estate or something else that's got a few more strings attached to the sale. Very good, very good. I've got my next one. Have you go, got one? Go. Equity. Ooh, you, you got to answer that one. Might be the finance guy. <laughs> equity, because that's another word you hear thrown around in real estate a lot. Everyone's like, oh, the equity in my property, equity, equity, equity. What it means is the equity is the cash that you have in your property that you are able to access to maybe go and purchase another property, but it's pretty much the money that you have minus the debt owing on the property. So using round numbers, let's say you buy a million dollar property uh, or you've got a property, you've owned it for many years and you've got a $200,000 mortgage and it's worth a million dollars, you have $800,000 worth of equity in that property. So equity is the cash that you have, but if you were to sell the property, what you'd actually receive from it, that you can go out and use for other purchases, whatever you need. Mm, yeah. Let's talk about some rentals. Um, mm -hmm. What is a vacancy rate? Mm -hmm. We sometimes hear the media throwing it out there, vacancy rates sitting at X, Y, and Z. It essentially is the percentage of properties that are on the market that are currently not tenanted. Um, so obviously the higher the vacancy rate is generally indicating a slower rental market, the higher the, sorry, the lower the vacancy rate, my apologies, indicates a really yeah. strong rental market. The, uh, the higher the vacancy rate, the slower a rental market is. Um, and that coincides with a, a word we hear a lot, um, generally by investors in a lot in commercial property is a yield. Yes. And what is a yield? A yield is a return. Um, when you look at what the rental return of the property is um, in relation to what the purchase price uh, of the property is. Mm. And um, they look at that obviously as, as a percentage. Yep. And obviously the higher percentage, the higher the yield. And what you find a lot on the beaches is for the more expensive the property, generally the lower the yield. Because what we find is rents only have a certain amount they can keep going up before they hit a bit of a cap, um, as opposed to the prices, depending on the property, seem to be jumping up a lot more. Um, so generally, so the yield tends to be stronger with your more entry-level properties. Yep. Another one with uh, while we're sticking on kind of the rental side is depreciation. Mm. A lot of people don't realise, like when I say to them, look, you can buy this new property, you can claim this depreciation. What is depreciation? My property is going up. Um, why is it called depreciation? Well. Well, I don't know if you want to jump on that one. Yeah, so you, you can go through it. Oh, we'll both jump on it. <laughs> um, depreciation is essentially, yes, as, as the market grows and, and, and property prices do move up, believe it or not, um, the actual age of the property and the quality of, of what the internals are and, and the finishes, they're actually getting older. Mm. And as they get older, they obviously come down in value like anything, any other product in the world, well, most products in the world, um, they come down in value. And that is called depreciation. So generally, when you come out and purchase a new property, everything's brand new and it, and it starts dropping, you know, in price in regards to quality, not not market value. Mm. Um, but the internals start dropping in price, and you can actually claim that reduction in the cost. So today, your washing machine, your washing machine, your dishwasher, your appliances are valued at X percent, X price. In twelve months' time, they're valued at a lower price, and you can claim that difference. Um, through various methods um, mm. on your tax. And get your tax back. So it's a good one to speak to your accountant about, especially if you own an investment property, because it's a great way to get a little bit of cash back on tax time. Due diligence. Oh, real estate agents love this. We don't want to handle your questions. Go and do your own due, gil due <laughs> diligence. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> what do you think that means, Michael? Due diligence, put simply, is all the 
research all the basically all the digging you need to do as let's say in a buying context as a buyer to make sure that you're happy to go ahead with the purchase so you're going through you're covering all your bases you're looking at okay is my finance done um you're looking at obviously the building pest report for a property you're looking basically you're going through you're covering all your bases making sure that hey have i looked at the background of every single angle to make sure that i'm happy to go ahead with this purchase yeah I'm trying to just think of how to describe due diligence without saying the word due diligence it's <laughs> <laughs> basically you want to do all the research you can and yeah. the background checking and ultimately the decision will generally sit on you sit with you based on on what you've learned throughout exactly. that process but it does also a lot of agents like to use it because they don't want to answer your questions um, <laughs> probably don't know the answers to your questions as well in some circumstances very true um what else oh, i saw a great one here and i missed it um uh, median price so again you'll see the media particularly now they talk about median pricing um if you think back to um I'd like to say year 10 mathematics, but it could be year 12 maths in high school. A median price is is a figure when all the when all the prices are put in order, say that we're just saying hypothetically, we look at the median price of houses on the Northern Beaches in the last month, look at everything that's sold, we take the figure that's in the middle and that's your median price. It's not an average price, oh. it's the middle price when looking at that range. So just be careful because the media will spin, the media, I'm confusing you now, uh, will spin things depending on which which one makes their story sound better. So median is not always average um, and may not always be used to indicate the correct information. That's the maths teacher you're coming out there. Well it. done, yeah, because it is very different. That's the thing, because sometimes the median will be different to the mean, the average. Ooh, the mean. Uh, the mean. <laughs> and so um, exactly, the media or real estate agents or conveyances or whoever, or brokers, Whoever's trying to tell their story, sometimes you can tell a slightly different story between those figures. Yeah. So it is one to watch out for. Um, I think there's one final one that I'm going to touch on before we go tonight. It's probably one of the most talked about ones at the moment is cash rate. Cash rate, Michael, again, you're the finance guy. Cash Sorry, rate, because that is probably one of the biggest talked about things by, well, actually, funnily enough, not every buyer brings up cash rate, but every buyer brings up interest rates in the market at the moment. But it's all coming back down to the cash rate. So the cash rate is something that the RBA sets once per month. They decide whether they're going to put it up, down, leave it the same. Um, and it's probably at the moment the most biggest individual lever um, controlling the property market right now. And pretty much what the cash rate is, it's interbank lending. It's pretty much what the percentage is between banks when they're trading within themselves. And as a consumer of that, it's being passed on to you via your interest rate on your mortgages or the interest rate you're being paid on your savings account. Traditionally so, whenever the cash rate goes up, the full cash rate change gets passed on to the consumer. So for most of us with the mortgage, once your, let's say the cash rate goes up by 0.25%, 25 basis points, pretty much everyone's feeling it from all their banks at the moment that they're passing it straight back on to you. Um, so that's the biggest thing that's factoring, I think, affecting the market at the moment. It's interesting to see because when they drop the cash rate, let's say obviously before now, the past few months when they've put it, been putting it up, but it's been coming down a lot recently, when they drop it by 25 basis points, it's not always passed on. No, the that's full amount straight away back. Yeah, the same thing. When uh, the interest rates are going up, the bank will pass that that full full rate onto you. Yeah. When they're coming down, they're not they're not willing to share no, everything with you. Are they? Exactly. So, guys, the cash rate is something that affects interest rate. Is not the interest rate that your bank dictates. Funnily enough, that is actually dictated separately to the cash rate. Yep. But generally, there's a big correlation there. When the cash rate moves, you can almost guarantee your interest rate from your bank's going to move as well. Yeah. Well, awesome guys so guys, there's, there's a lot more again yes. get the book uh any of our open to real estate terms at all of our open homes um 
anything we can help you with, we're always available. The team at Novak Properties um, will help you with any of the, the terms as well. If we don't, a lot of times we do fall into the habit of, of, of saying lingo that we're used to every day. Please pull us up on it um, because we want to explain everything to you as just well. Just ask us. So any of us, yeah, you see an open home or you're dealing with on a property, just ask us to explain. Yeah. That's what we're here for. We'll run you guys through the process. We'll run you through all the interesting, weird jargon that we use and hopefully help you guys find a property. Beautiful. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Have a good evening. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to get your book uh, at our open homes. That's it. Cheers. See you soon.